I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here as always with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And she has a colleague with her who always has some great things to share as well. Vicki, I'll let you do the honors. Okay, thank you, Patty. Yes, I'm so happy to have back with us today Dayton Aldridge, my colleague at the District Attorney's Office and our restitution specialist. Now, Dayton's job is to ensure that all of our crime victims who are entitled to restitution from the state fund will get the financial help that they need. But he's always on the lookout, too, for scams. And he sent me an email about a skimmer at a local bank, and I wanted him to talk a little bit about that. So welcome back, Dayton. First, would you just please tell us a little bit about the Victims Restitution Fund and what kinds of money is available to crime victims? Yes. So specifically, California has what's called the California Victim Compensation Board. And that is essentially a pool of money that is available to victims who have been the victim of violent or sexual crimes. It doesn't cover people who are victims of purely property crime, like vandalisms. But any violent crime or any instance of abuse, there's a pool of money available to pay things like medical bills and mental health treatment and lost wages and medication and ongoing costs. And that's something that California fronts the payment of and then on the back end tries to go after the defendant after we get a conviction and and make them responsible for it. But unfortunately, a lot of the defendants don't have assets. They're indigent. So there's never going to be any restitution money coming from them. So in these instances, at least there's some money for victims of violent crime in California. And that's something that I help the victims navigate and see if there's any funds available for them. Or if they are a victim of a property crime, like their mailbox was vandalized, and I help them secure that restitution as well. Well, that must be very gratifying for you, Dayton, personally. It is gratifying. For instance, we just recently were able to call someone who was a victim of a scam about 10 years ago of a Craigslist scam where they bought a truck sight unseen for $15,000 and there never was a truck and they thought the money was gone. And about 10 years later, they got a check in the mail for $15,000 they were not expecting. So it can be very gratifying. Wow. So the news release that Dayton sent me was in Ed Hat. And here's what it said. Police are investigating a skimmer that was found at one of the ATM machines at Bank of America on Coast Village Road. So first of all, Dave, please tell us what a skimmer is and why you wanted to share this report with us. Yes. So this story talks about a skimmer at a bank. But when we talk about skimmers, we're referring to any portal where a credit card or a debit card is inserted into a machine, into a device, whether that's a point of sale system at a store or a gas pump or an ATM. On any of those instances where you put a card into a machine, that is where a skimmer could be employed. And the skimmer is essentially a very, very small device that they will put into the slot that the card would go. And because technology has gotten so advanced and so amazing nowadays, they can make devices that are small and you know thin enough as almost a piece of paper that are able to photo and record every credit card that's taken in and out of there. 
And they also will go one step further with now that cameras and lenses have gotten so microscopically small where they can now literally put a camera in a pen head nowadays. They can put a camera right above where the pin pad is. So if you combine them being able to steal your credit card number from the credit card itself or the debit card, and then be able to see you enter your pin code or your zip code, they have you at that point. So it's really a way of stealing your identity and getting access to your accounts or your credit card. How do scammers put these skimmers in place? They do it usually in the dark at night and in places that are not high traffic. So for instance, think of a gas station on a corner late at night where there's low traffic and there's not a lot of people around. That's the perfect time where a scammer is going to go park his car, act like he's getting gas, but actually just install this little skimming device on the gas pump. And it's very high reward, low risk for them if they get caught. And if they pull it off, they potentially can get hundreds, if not thousands of people's credit card information. And the devices work two different ways. They have super advanced ones that will actually remotely send the information that they're taking off the cards, like a cell phone would, straight to the scammer. So the scammer can get it remotely, or it'll just record it on a little chip in the scammer. And then a week or two weeks later... The scammer will just come back late at night, after hours, pull up with the scam pump, act like he's getting gas, and just take the scammer out of the machine, then go home and download all the credit card info into his computer. So Dayton, is there any way to detect one of these skimmers just by looking at the machine and the place where you insert your card? I would say that modern day card takers should be robust. You shouldn't be able to jiggle anything around or nothing should be moving or look out of place when you use it. But really, Vicky, I think our best way here is to avoid the situations when possible. So that would mean, given the opportunity, don't use the gas pump to take your card. Go inside to where the human being is and pay in person. And the reason for that is, is because it's much harder for the scammers to access one of those point of sale terminals because it takes them a few minutes to install the skimmer device into the machine. So it's much harder to distract the clerk while you're there installing a a device into their card reader than it is to just go at three o'clock in the morning when there's no one there and access one of the pumps outside. So generally, most of the time, people are safe to go inside. Same thing for the bank. You know, the ATMs are very convenient. They've become a part of life, but they're not as secure as going inside during banking hours, talking to a teller. You're going to be much more secure there. The other huge thing to really protect yourself, Vicky, Mm -hmm. is if you can get away from using a debit card and transition towards a credit card as much as possible. The reason for that is these credit card companies, they have zero liability, oftentimes zero fault on the cardholder if there's fraud. Meaning you see fraud on your statement, you call American Express, you say, this wasn't me, they take it off your bill, it's done. They send you a new card in the mail, it's end of story. Very different story when you get your debit card statement 30 days after you bought gas and you realize someone's been draining your account for the last 30 days and that money's actually come out of your bank account. It's much harder to get the banks to walk that back. Another thing I asked Dayton to talk to us about today were QR codes. 
since Dayton is my tech specialist, I have to bring him in to talk about anything involving technology because I've gotten information that scammers are using fake QR codes to get access to the information contained in our cell phones. So first of all, Dayton, explain to us what a QR code is and what what they're used for. Yeah, so the QR codes are those square maze-like symbols that you we've seen pop up really kind of since COVID, they became mainstream when we were having to scan menus and restaurants instead of physically touch things. That's when the QR code really exploded. It's, okay. a, it's a quick way to just point your phone at this little sticker, mm-hmm. and then it will take you to a website or will open up an app instead of having to go into your browser, type something in www.whatever. You just open up your camera, you point your camera at the little square QR code, and it just takes you right to the site. So that can be very convenient if you're going out to eat and you don't want to touch the menu and the restaurant has, oh, scan our QR code to see our menu, takes you right to their site where the menu is perfect. However, it's very similar to as if what we've always been talking about, how you're not supposed to open random, mysterious links that you get in emails or in text messages because they can take you to places that you don't know where you're going. And that can either be somewhere where they're going to lead you to a site where they're going to download malware on your computer, they could install spyware on your computer or your phone, and then they can really take over your device. So same thing with the QR codes. If you are in a trusted place, if you go into your favorite coffee shop, you're probably fine to use your QR code. However, I've literally seen walking around now, people just slap QR codes onto street signs and to lampposts and telephone poles, kind of like any other decal or sticker. Okay. I would certainly not just take out my phone and start scanning every random QR code I see places because you have no idea where it's sending you. It could send you to a fraudulent site like this. And also, I think this is important for our seniors, but also for our parents to realize that it's also be very easy for a person of malintent to make a QR code that would take you to a pornographic site or something that children shouldn't see, and then put those QR code stickers all over a, a GameStop or something where kids frequent. So it can be this QR code thing of just whipping out our phone and taking us to whatever site when there's no description of what we're going to can be very dangerous, just like how we wouldn't click on an unknown link in our emails. It's the same thing. So I know that sometimes QR codes come in emails. Is it safe to use these or how do you know if they're legitimate or not? So going back to our best practices, if you have an email coming from a trusted source, Mm -hmm. then you're probably okay using their QR code. If you get an email from someone you've never heard of before or an advertiser that you've never done business with, then that's when you should definitely be wary, just as if you wouldn't click on a link in any of those emails from unknown senders. But if you got a link from your cousin, you would feel comfortable opening it. Okay. So same principle. If you're confident in the source, if it's coming from somebody you know, or if you're going into a restaurant and they have their menu on a QR code, I know sometimes QR codes are in parking meters, magazine ads. Magazine ads, you probably need to be a little more careful. Yes, depending on what magazine you're in, reading, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, a habit that I might encourage people to get into, though, is if you do see a QR code before you scan it, maybe get in the habit of running your finger over where the sticker is 
and see if it's possible that someone put a bogus or a bootleg QR sticker over a legitimate one. You could very easily do that. Put your malintent sticker right over the legitimate menu sticker. And a lot of these restaurants, even nowadays, you click on their QR code, you order through the QR code, you pay through the QR code. So a bad person sat down at the restaurant and stuck their QR code sticker on there and made a site that looked exactly like the restaurant site, you'd be paying the scammer, not the restaurant. So if it's printed in the material, mm-hmm. like it's printed in the menu, you're probably fine. If it's a sticker that looks like it's been slapped over something, that's maybe when your lights should go up. You know, these scammers are just using technology to their benefit, and it's hard to keep up with them, and it's hard to even know what you need to be careful about. So really, thank you so much, Dayton, for coming back once again and letting us know what we need to watch out for. Thank you so very much, Dayton. We look forward to having you back again soon. I'd love to.